Hey there, you're listening to Tail Chase. On this episode, things get a little squirrely. We talk about Selena the Prairie Falcon and some other things that can happen while you are working with birds of prey. Hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Listening to Tail Chase. This is Nick Mazzara. Graham Scarborough. And we are sitting here. Graham was courteous enough to drive down, deliver me a couple of unfinished blocks that I'm working on for uh, the potential falcon that I might get this year. Look, there's a red tail, adult red tail flying off there right in front of the car. Yeah. Um, he drove me down a couple blocks. I'm finishing those up. Uh, and making some bases for them so that way I'll have adequate perching for my trip down to Texas this year. And uh, I brought him up the camera that we use to record different things because he's headed out to Colorado. Yep, uh, leaving Tuesday. Yeah. Gonna go out and do some fly fishing and and hiking. Brought the dog too. Yeah, uh, turd just bit me. <laughs> well, Scout, he's. He's weird. You just, I don't know. He, you got to so, read him. Scout's a Jack Russell Rat Terrier mix. I had the brother to him. Me and Graham went down to uh, St. Louis to pick up the, uh, the the dogs together. There's an, oh, it's, it's uh, chasing a squirrel. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, there's something. Right in front of us. Yeah, we're looking at this red tail. It came over to this... Uh, I don't even know what country that is. Some kind of pine oh, tree. Oh, oh, oh. And it's chasing a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's above it now. Yeah. If we weren't going to spook the red tail, I'd yeah. say let's go work the squirrel for him. Yeah. Got above you, got a ladder up. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Yeah. You don't see uh, many wild red tails going after squirrels, and I think that was a fox squirrel even, which is more surprising. No, he's going down. The squirrel's going yeah, down the yeah. tree. I doubt it'll leave that tree, though. Yeah. Well, um, It might. He's actually probably fairly safe as long as he goes down because all the foliage, you know. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty... That'd be a pretty, pretty tough... dense tree. Yeah, that'd be a tough tree to catch a squirrel in. Right. And I don't... It kind of looked like that red tail wasn't really planning on it. Yeah, like you just kind of landed and there it was. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, so we got the... Oh, it's going after it again. Oh, we got it. It got it. No, it got squirrel. out. Yeah, oh, oh, he's trying again. I could hear the squirrel yeah. vocalizing. Yeah. It's below it again. Very cool. I can't believe this. Yeah, this is nuts. It's... Oh, oh. The hawk is literally, is literally, I don't think so. I saw the squirrel below the hawk. The hawk is literally walking down the tree or in circles, like wow. from branch to branch. It, it hopped from one side to the other. I wish we were filming this. Yeah. I, unfortunately, you wouldn't really be able to see much. No, it I, pulled a, t- a feather out of that hawk. There's, that's yeah. a tail feather from that red tail. Yeah, it's helicoptering. Yeah. <laughs> 
it probably that bird's probably molting. I'm yeah. gonna go out there and get that feather. No, 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 no. wait. Let him, let him do what he's trying There's to do, and then we'll get some. it. I can't believe this. That was cool. I I really think that he's got him because I just saw the squirrel kind of like on the left around. side of the tree. There, it's possible. No, no. The bird's hopping around the tree looking for it. I've never seen a bird do that. That's really interesting. That that bird is systematically like, working its way around trying to flush this like catch the squirrel moving. As a bird. So like doing doing yeah, what yeah. we Look, do. it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have it but it Yeah. Now the squirrel's above it again. There might be multiple squirrels. Yeah. There's multiple squirrels. Well, what's the sound? You hear that? That's the squirrel. Yeah, there's I multiple, think he's got I, it. See, I think there's multiple squirrels. That was something, man. I've never seen a bird do that. Yeah, it's got Yeah, it. he's got, got something. It. I don't know if... No way. I had a hunch that there may have been multiple because when it grabbed it, I, I saw another one kind of run out. Yeah. That was something. I wonder if the other one is like... harassing it or something Uh, it went up the tree okay it went up not to say that it couldn't have come back down so the Uh tree we're looking at about 10 or 15 feet it has no limbs yeah and then it's got this big ball of branches where you can kind of tell that around the trunk of the tree it's fairly clear where the squirrels were but like you can't really hardly see it through it because the foliage of the tree is so dense. I don't even I don't know what kind of pine tree that is. It's some kind of evergreen. Yeah. And we're like watching. It. I can just see. Yeah, the red the, tail is spinning around. Yep. Yeah. He just dropped it, down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's gonna take it to the ground. I would be surprised if he did that. He might. I mean, I'm thinking if it's gonna take if it's a fox squirrel, I would think it would at least take two feet to handle that thing. Yeah. And so he might end up on the ground whether he, he looks, wants to or not. It looks like he's already plucking the thing. I see his tail kind of coming up. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool, man. I, I have never seen, I, and I've hawked squirrels with a couple different birds. I've never seen one that systematically worked a squirrel that way, that efficiently. Yeah. Like, Well, and on its own, because it doesn't have us right. to beat around the base of the tree. Right. That, that was a red tail that has it's very probably done clearly, this before. yes, very clearly yeah. hunted squirrels by itself before. Because it was, the squirrel got above it, and either there was another one below it, or I we could only see so much of it, but that red tail was just hopping limb from limb and watching for the squirrel to move, and finally it hopped around to one side, the squirrel was underneath it, and it dropped right down on it. Where, it, I mean, the space that it has to operate in, it can't even open its wings halfway. Yeah. And it was still able to catch something. That was cool. <laughs> so, we were talking about uh, the dogs. Jack Russell's, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we we drove down to St. Louis to get the dogs together, which is kind of really the beginning of our friendship when we really started to get close. Mm-hmm. And we both had those dogs for... I don't know how long I had uh, 2011 okay. when we got him. So Scout's eight years old. And I, hey, so I had him for, my dog, for three or four years. Mm-hmm. And I had a kid. He was just a little too aggressive. And we decided that it wasn't safe to have around a baby. Mm-hmm. And 
Scout just reinforced for me that decision. Yeah. Jacques, uh, well, Scout, my pup was... Scout's defensive. He's not aggressive. Well, I yeah, mean... And I'm not, I'm not excusing his behavior. No, 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 no. I know you're But not. he would never seek something or somebody out and attack. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, carrying he's it. carrying it. It's a little squirrel. Wow. Yeah. It may be a gray squirrel. Yeah. He's it, packing it. Yeah, the squirrel's not ways. dead either. <laughs> you can see it's not hanging down. Uh-uh. Yeah, I think he kind of has it by the belly. Mm-hmm. It's still like lifting its tail under its own volition, the yeah. squirrel is. So that red tail he just, just took it right like 200 yards across a field and into the woods. Yeah, neat. Very cool. Yeah. Didn't want to mess with it out in the open. Right, yeah. we should go take a picture of that tail feather after this. Okay, don't let me forget. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Scout, like I've been around him a lot, and he's always kind of been a little bit of a strange kind of nervous dog but like he's never he's hit like nip but like he that was a full-on like attempt like yeah yeah. and he was i could tell like when i reached up and let him sniff me he was uncomfortable Uh but i was like "Eh, surely he'll let me kind of reach up and touch a knee or something i kind of start picking my hand up that way and instantly there's another red tail flying into the woods following the same path see it Uh uh-huh Pitched up Must into be a like the maid or, or one of the kids, maybe. It could be. Kind of looked like an adult to me, but I yeah, couldn't tell for sure. I think you're right. But. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't want to act like I'm excusing his behavior. It's poor, tra- poor raising on my part, not socializing him better. Well, and, you know, I think that breed kind of lends itself to that <laughs> nervous behavior a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm far from a great dog trainer and I'm not one to cast stones because I've made my fair share of mistakes and I have no idea how to remedy that. I, I couldn't get it sorted out with shock, so. I think just time and exposure, you know, because I mean, anybody that he's nippy towards and it, and it would be anybody, uh, Give him a little bit of time, and he warms up, and everything's fine. Yeah. Like, within 10 minutes, 20 minutes, um, he's crawling up in their lap and stuff. And it also is associated with him occupying a space and you coming into that space. Like, yeah. if he's in his kennel or um, in his box, or in this case, he was in the car, which is, again, I feel like I'm defending him, and I don't, I can't help myself from defending him. <laughs> I know, but that's yeah. one of the things with dogs. You know, I, I don't feel like you're trying to justify his behavior by any means. Yeah. So anyway, actually, do you remember like the story about how we were gonna get the female out of the litter? And yeah, what and it was a total like it was so tiny. It was, yeah. So Nick was gonna get a male, and we were gonna get a female, and the female was the runt, and she was kind of edgy, like not quite right but we were going to go look at her uh, before making a for sure choice and like the day before we went down there or whatever the breeder called and said hey uh, I don't know about the female because I was out back yesterday and I heard an awful sound like a puppy screaming and I went back there and the three brothers each had a mouthful of her and we're pulling her in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I feel like 
that tells you a lot about Jack Russell's eight-week-old little puppies trying to kill one of their siblings. Like that's that tells you a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but I mean, she, I, I don't know what became of her, but we ended up going with a male because she just didn't didn't seem quite right. I don't know if she made it or not, but yeah, I know. I know Jacques had alopecia. It was, yeah. it was a really cute pup. But mm-hmm. pretty quickly, you know, he started losing that dark hair. I know, and only and, in the dark places. Mm-hmm. Where the white hair was, it was pretty thick. And mm-hmm. Scout's that way. Like, his ears are pretty much naked. Really? Yeah, it's really fine black he, hair. He doesn't, I mean, he's almost solid white. Right. Jacques was about half and half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm getting all prepped for Texas. Mm-hmm. Going down uh, early October. To South Padre, I drew a tag to go and catch a passage peregrine. Kind and of so, on a whim. Oh, yeah. That's what you get for doing it on a whim. Yeah, so a buddy of mine has been putting in for a few years, and he talked me into it, and I, he basically said, you know, it's free to apply. If you draw it, you don't have to take the permit. You can turn it back in, or you can, you know, do it. And I said, okay, I'll put in whatever it's ready to put in. Did, and I, my sister's getting married out in Colorado in October, and so I was tentatively planning on elk hunting this year because mm-hmm. I'm going to be you out mean there. September. What, what did I say? October. Oh, yeah, yeah. September. So middle, gonna... middle of the elk rut. She's oh, getting married okay. out there, so I was like, well, I'm going to be in Colorado. I might as well, you know, try to whack an elk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so. Anyway, and I kind of just said, well, you know, it'd be all right to choose between the two things. Long story short, drew the permit and decided, well, I can't do both. So I'm going to put off elk hunting for this year and go down and catch a peregrine. So my my to-do list is very long right now. My time is pretty short. My list of things to purchase is ever-increasing, and the amount of money to spend on them is not. Yeah. But fortunately... Devin uh, is going to be working here, actually starting Monday, so. Good. Yeah, she just finished uh, boards for uh, physical therapy. Yep, yep. Passed. Flying colors. Graduated, passed, applied for a handful of different jobs, and every every interview she went to, she got a job offer. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, killing it. Definitely. And Graham, he just graduated from nursing school, passed his NCLEX. Yep. And... Is starting work here in a the few weeks. Sixteenth, yeah. yeah, of September. Yeah, so he's kind of got one last hurrah before it's a little bit of nose to the grindstone time. Mm-hmm. And you've got a laundry list of things to figure out too. For yeah, I I'm gonna be living in Overland Park, Kansas, so I'm gonna have to figure out how to keep a prairie falcon in Overland Park and how to do one justice i don't know i don't know if i'll need to transfer her to another falconer or if uh or i could always release her you know she's a passage bird yeah and maybe just opt to a red tail because i know that would be might not be quite as fun but it would definitely be a lot less of a headache sure that's for sure so yeah no i understand but she's a gem i think of a prairie falcon she's big and and really good looking what uh how did things go with her and like at the end of last season? End of last season, she was going to like four or five hundred feet on the kite. 
Gotcha. Was um, she taking bag stuff? Not yet. Not well, yet. she had killed a couple pigeons just like to, you know, I well, I like to have them kill a couple pigeons um, before flying them loose so that I know they'll come into a pigeon gotcha. if I need them to. Um, like if, you know, I lose them or something. Gotcha. Uh, but no, from a pitch, I, I did not start bagging. Okay. I probably... I would ideally I would like to get her to like 700 feet and then start bagging okay if things are going really well then maybe like a thousand feet and then well, start but we'll see we need to make sure that uh, we can figure it out for you to keep the prairie this year because how awesome would it be to take prairie and a passage tundra to Napa this year it would be pretty cool it's gonna be in a good place yes out in Kansas mm-hmm. so there's ducks pheasants chickens yeah and then for all the short wing guys there's uh jackrabbits out there and a lot of cottontails i think so yeah which that's what i initially my plan before i drew this uh, uh, permit to go get the peregrine i was gonna molt out the red tail which i i molted her out but i went ahead and released her when she was growing in all her feathers and was pretty much everything was pretty well hard pinned uh because i drew the the permit but i was gonna take her out there and fly a jacks yeah um yeah i'm looking forward to it it would be cool to to both be flying falcons and because that's something that uh we've not got to do together no we've Mm -hmm. flown red tails together but um this will be your first falcon and yep um could be a good time yes it could be i'm getting nervous yeah yeah it's a big undertaking big Mm -hmm. privilege to go and catch a peregrine particularly Mm -hmm. you know they were you know in serious trouble Mm -hmm. you know not not so long ago yeah and so i don't i don't take the ability to go and trap passage peregrines lightly Mm -hmm. I, i recognize that in order for us to have that as an option it it took a lot of work from people that came before us and i I consider myself very lucky so i'm I'm hoping i'm going to be able to swing getting gps this year and fly with that (laughs) reduces the risk a little bit yeah i already i talked to a guy that has access to a plane in case i need it (laughs) yeah well, that's good. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I've known multiple people who have gone up in planes to find their birds. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Hopefully you don't. Fingers need that. crossed. I won't need that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm trying to get my network built out right now for ponds to fly, mm-hmm. and then I'll hopefully be able to take a handful of trips out to Kansas this year, including to Napa. I, with my current work schedule, I've got three day weekends, so. The options are a little opened up for me for, you know, little hawking trips here and there. Mm-hmm. My dog is out in Pennsylvania getting tuned up. Hopefully he'll be ready and be a piece of the puzzle this year. When do you be, go pick him up? That's yet to be seen. Okay. He said he wanted him for at least a month and then see where he was after that. Yeah. He's talking about coming out to Kansas to hunt oh, okay. in, like, November. So, like, well, so he just, can just bring him with him? Yeah, just keep yeah. him until then and then bring him out here and save us both a trip and I'll help put him on birds because yeah. I know a guy out in Kansas yeah yeah uh, a few guys out in Kansas yeah yeah uh, you should 
Well, if I if I think of it, I'll get one for you. But you should get your hands on a Kansas hunting atlas. Okay. They're you know available to the public in pretty much all the uh, fishing game places, and um, I think I got mine actually in like a convenience store in mm. Kansas. But it it's a map of the whole state, and it shows all the public land. Oh, cool! On it. So yeah. if you don't have like that on X app, then uh, you can just you can at least have access to the public land, gotcha. knowing where it is. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be handy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, my brother-in-law is a game warden out there, and, oh, right. and he knows knows spots and knows people to contact and all that. So, cool. Fortunately, I've got some hookups there, mm-hmm. which really helps, especially when you're nothing beats, unfamiliar. Yeah, local knowledge. Yes, that's huge. Yeah, that's one of the things about going down to Texas is you know I've. We, we went out to Kansas and trapped Selena together, and mm-hmm. we've trapped long wings here and there, but it's like an incidental thing. Yeah. To set out 14 hours from home and go down and trap a species that you've never trapped before in a location in a, that you've never trapped completely for, and literally you're trapping them on the beach. Yeah. And so it's a different ball game, and so that's one thing. Like, I've been reaching out to different people who've done it, and they've been really helpful about, you know, tips and tricks. And for all you falconers out there, as you as you know, there's a lot of conflicting information. <laughs> One of my favorite sayings is, the only two things, or the, the only thing that falconers can agree on. <laughs> I butchered it. Yeah, the only mean, thing that two falconers can agree on is that the third one is doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. And it, it follows. Yeah. So I... I'm kind of doing, you know, my best ability to juggle the information that I'm getting Uh because some of it is directly conflicting, but, you know, I have done a fair bit of trapping. You mean just like some people swear by a harness and some by a dogaza and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, like some people say don't bring anything but a harness. Other people say don't bring any harnesses, only bring dogazas. Yeah. And that's what works. Some people say, oh, uh, sparrows and starlings are what you want to bring. Pigeons, you know, bring just because they're a little hardier. Other people say, do not bring starlings or uh, sparrows, only bring pigeons. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to be as prepared as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hope for the best. Yeah. So... Yeah. That's all you can do. Yeah, it's going to be an adventure for you. And yes, it will. It, it bums me out that I can't go, but at the same time, it, it I think it'll be even more rewarding to go down and just do it yourself. You know what I mean? To just mm. like... Yeah, but if that's if I'm by myself, I think chances are I'm going to find somebody to go with me. Oh, okay. And so, I mean... Not that there's anything wrong with anybody else that would go with me, but you know, uh-huh. we have a history of going and trapping together, so... I know, yeah. It sucks. Because, like, you you went with me to catch Selena, so it would be cool to, like, return the favor. But with work starting middle of September, I just can't really justify losing a month's pay yeah, to no, I hear you. go with you. I'm, I'm resisting but the urge to give you a hard time about I it, because I know you feel bad. I know. 
Yeah. I won't hold a grudge or anything. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm sure you won't. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand. Uh, I'd love to have you, yeah. but I get it. I get it. Believe me. There have been many adventures that, you know, we haven't been able to go on because of things going on in my life. So yeah, I, I understand that uh, you're opening an, an exciting new chapter and, you know, I, I wish you all the best in that. Yeah. Let's talk about Selena a little bit. So we left yeah. off on our last podcast, which my apologies that it's been a little while since you've heard from us. Things have been a little chaotic with the wife taking boards and trying to find a job and me trying to get the ball rolling here on my job and uh, get stuff ready for the Peregrine. So our goal is to try and do this a little more regularly. But last time you heard from us, we just kind of ended on Selena's second season. Okay. And uh, you had kind of mentioned that you had some other stories that you really wanted to tell about her. We'll probably do this episode you know, over those stories and some highlights okay. from her, and then we'll end the Selena saga next time. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. Um, I'm trying to think uh, if anything else exciting happened in her second season. After her first hunt, things were pretty much made. She was just improved every time from there on out, went higher commanded the sky more um stooped at every hun that I flushed and uh um I remember our probably our best flight in that last season uh I had my boss with me and so that was cool to have and he's he's a falconer that I whose falconry I respect very much not your current but who no, you're who you're working for boss. at the time yeah gotcha. when I was out there gotcha. in Spokane and um, he was with me, and she went out, uh, went up. I think he uh, he has these really nice rangefinder binoculars, mm. and we did some you know real crude math. He was pointing at about a forty-five, and was able to range her with his binoculars, and so theoretically we figured she was at about eight hundred feet. Um. And we were running towards these hunts, and we flushed some collared doves. <laughs> and that was not, you know, what I wanted her to chase, because A, she could carry that super easy, and B, I don't know how that would go. Like, it would be cool to catch a collared dove from 800 feet <laughs> with a prairie <laughs> yeah. falcon. But uh, I was there for the hunt, so, um, you know, I could see her blinking up there, and we flushed this collared dove. Blinking? You know, just, I could... When they're that high, You're just you know, look, looking for the the pulsation of their wings moving. Yeah, I mean oh, okay. they disappear okay. almost. You know, gotcha. when they're folded up, and which is what happened. We flushed the dove, and I saw her disappear. You know, okay. which meant she folded up and was coming down. And I was like, "Crap, we got to flush these huns!" And so we both ran and waved our arms and flushed the covey, and they flew straight over our heads. And I mean, they had they did not have a chance because she was already on her <laughs> way down. Uh, from a really high pitch and um, came down and just like did what I would call like a power bind to this thing just a mm-hmm. real meaty thud came through it through the top and just held on to it and then just floated down with it 
Gotcha. Like she didn't come in from behind it. She just like went, and then just and took so like it down with her feet. Feet hit, never let go. Just yeah, kind of hit hard and bind. Yeah, gotcha. and just parachuted <laughs> to the ground with it. Cool. Um, so I was pretty proud falconer that day. Um, yeah, it's always good when you can show off in front of people that you yeah. care about their opinion mm-hmm. at least a little bit. Well, yeah, and you know how it is. Like when you take somebody with you and you're like, oh yeah, my bird's really good. They fly great. <laughs> and then you take them with you, and your bird goes and sits on a pole. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uncanny. Yeah. Or you're trying to introduce somebody to the sport. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, you know, they're like, I would love to see that sometime. That just sounds so cool. And you take them out, and some tragic happens, or uh, it just turns into a complete cluster. Yeah. And, That's, And it's always, to me, it's like, it's awesome seeing that excitement on people's face. Oh, yeah. And... It, it's kind of one of those like, even when you have conversations with people, uh, what's that guy, that comedian's name? I just uh, listened to something by him. The guy has the uh, me monster bit. He's a clean comic. I don't know. <sighs> Dang it. Anyway, he has a bit where it's like, you know, the me monster, and it's like, oh, you know, you'd love to be the guy that walked on the moon because you've got the one-up story yeah. all the time. <laughs> I was like, well, I walked on the moon. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, it's kind of funny because being a falconer can be that way a little bit. Like if you're out with people and it somehow comes up that you're a falconer, you're... You you, have the ultimate conversation piece. Yeah, you kind of become the most interesting guy in the room a lot of the time, which I think is why a lot of people are falconers. I think there are a lot of people that It is funny because like... I, you know, you don't want to admit to it, but you do like the attention oh, yes. oh, whenever yes. you're like, yeah, I've got a falcon and people are like, what? Yeah. And I always like, whenever it does come up, especially with people that hunt and uh-huh. they just move on in the conversation, it's like, what the heck's wrong with this guy? He doesn't yeah. even find this interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like I can remember we took some, somebody who came with us when we were hawking in, uh, I don't remember if it was at a meet, sometime we, we were hawking in Kansas city. Okay. Uh, and asp caught a rabbit right in front of him yeah and i tried you know i'm not a particularly braggadocious person yeah but i walked up and it was like what do you think about that yeah and they were just kind of like yeah huh no it he may not have had a big reaction to it but that made a big impression on him he he mentioned it the other day yeah okay i didn't he was like i still think about that that was one of the coolest things i've ever seen who was it morgan no no that's not who i'm talking about oh okay no no morgan like it was the it was the other people that were with us that day. Was it the that, guy and the kid? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. It was just, I'm I, surprised they weren't more... It just, yeah, it just kind of seemed like... They were like, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which to me is like, even... I've done it for so long. Now, granted, I have the falconry bug, so it's a yeah. little bit different, but... Yeah. Like, I mean, we just spent 20 oh, minutes watching just it, like, a wild red tail chase a squirrel, and how yeah. cool is that? And you see people post videos on Facebook, you know, yeah. or on their social media about, oh, how cool is this? A hawk just caught a snake, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorites is when you see natural phenomenon mm-hmm. happen, uh, within people are going right by and have no clue oh, what's dude. going on. Like, driving down the, the road, time. I've seen hawks catch things, mm-hmm. things come across the road. One of the coolest things that I've ever seen happen that was like that. There's a, an adult red tail and it was I don't know probably 200 feet off the deck. Okay. Maybe yeah, probably about that, just kind of cruising along and all of a sudden I see it uh kind of tip a wing and pitch over. Mhm. And it comes down at about a 45 and just thumps something on the ground hard. Yeah. 
and it was kind of out in the middle of the CRP and I was like what the heck was that and so I kind of go walking out there you know it was on public land and I'm looking around trying to find you know not trying to flush the the red tail but just trying to see what it had and I flushed a group of pheasants oh like yeah. five or six of them took off uh-huh and I'm like no way yeah sure enough the red tail takes off right after that and this hen pheasant like comes worming its way through the grass huh it, so you it, think it, it took a shot at one of those oh, pheasants it, it, it had the hen oh it did it had the hen and I scared it off of it oh, on accident yeah but I mean you had no way of knowing no most likely it would have been a mouse in which case it would have just packed the mouse with it right but yeah no it yeah. It, it grabbed that hen yeah uh yeah See, and here we are, like, I, I'm debating on telling stories because, like, I don't want to be the one-upper guy. Like, I want to tell you something else that's pretty outlandish, but I'm like, uh, no, am I'm, I going to be curious. one-upping him? No, no, I'm curious okay. to hear it. Well, you know the raven and the hun story? Huh? I didn't tell you about the raven that caught the hun. Sorry for the interruption. You might notice that uh, our audio quality has drastically improved at this point. We had some audio issues at the tail end of the podcast there, so we're picking up where we left off. Uh, Graham, I think you were getting ready to tell me a story about a raven. The raven. Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, ravens will hunt huns, believe it or not. <laughs> um, it was it was a weird deal. I was uh, It was the first winter that I was out there, and... Um, it was a real out there in Spokane, Washington, and it was a real brutal winter with multiple layers of snow, and then it would melt a little bit, and then it would freeze, so it would crust, and then more snow on top of that, and then it would melt a little bit and freeze, so you had multiple layers of crust, uh, which makes it a lot harder for huns to make their digs uh, in the in the snow like they do in the wintertime to keep warm and to hide. And um, so basically, the ground is like, concrete as far as huns are concerned and so there's really nowhere for him to go except for uh, vertical cover like bushes and farmhouses and stuff um but i was out driving around looking for huns and i'm sitting there when you say a dig what are you talking about a dig mm-hmm. a hun dig so if you were to drive around in the winter time uh with snow on the ground uh where there are huns um, you would look out on a hillside and you might see several to 15 dots on that hillside. You pull up your binoculars and you'll see little Hungarian partridge heads sticking up out of the snow. And uh, so what they do is they make these little digs that provide them with cover so that they're harder to see. Um, otherwise, they'd stand out like sore thumbs on, on top of the snow. And also, it gives them a little bit of insulation, actually. Um, to keep them warm in the winter so they're out of the wind. Gotcha. Um, and a lot of times you'll find evidence of where a dig was, and you'll actually see a little ring of clumps of turds on the ground hmm. because they sit uh, in a circle butt to butt. Gotcha. Okay, so like a pinwheel kind of. Interesting. I've seen you know, evidence of that from quail because yep. they covey up as well, but it, it looks a little different from what you're describing. It's usually yep. just kind of one big pile in one spot. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, they're smaller, so they can all fit, you know, <laughs> yeah. more butts in a smaller 
area. But yeah, so same principle. Hmm. And that way, you know, they're all also watching each direction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they can uh, keep themselves um, pretty safe that way. But uh, so it was a rough winter. I'm driving around and I look out my car window and I see this hun hightailing it uh, across an open field. And I was like, huh, I wonder what's going on. And then a second later, I see a raven flying on the same path. And I was like, no, no, raven, like, why is a raven following that hun? And so I just followed. And sure enough, that raven was definitely tail chasing that hun. Hmm. And they go just over the hill. And uh, I keep going down the road and I get over that same hill. And I look out and out in the snow is a raven eating a hun and i still like i almost couldn't believe it because like i don't think of ravens as having like the killing equipment you know how do they even uh, grab them i mean i know they've got some grabbing power but it's not like you don't expect to get footed by a raven if you were to grab one you know you'd think they'd just bite you or peck you or something yeah i mean birds of prey that are designed for it have enough trouble holding on to feathered game you know those feathers are loose they come out when stuff grabs them their skin is typically fairly loose and yeah yeah so i don't i don't know i wish i could have seen that raven actually catch the thing Mm -hmm. but i know that it did um because i went out there and it looked like you know, I also kind of wondered how they would go about killing. Um, mm-hmm. And it looked like they do the same as falcons where they go for the neck, but they don't have the equipment to, like, break the neck like a falcon does. Mm-hmm. So it looked like he had just stripped the skin and some of the meat from the neck, and it looked like the hun just bled out right there. Hmm. Um, and... uh So I ended up taking that hun home and eating it. <laughs> So I feel a little bit bad for the raven because I made him do all the work, but uh, I don't know. I hadn't eaten a hun yet, and it was fresh, so I took it. Interesting. I that I, might make me a bad person. I wonder I'm what the from wild wildlife. <laughs> I wonder what the rules on salvaging that would be as far as the wildlife code goes. I don't know. I mean, you can salvage roadkill, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it's, and different states vary as far as the regulations. You know, some places, oh, really? yeah, some places allow you. Oh, do you have to, to get like a tag, to like call yeah. the game department and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, I want to salvage this deer." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's Missouri? Do you know? I think that's what you have to do. Is... You have to get a salvage permit. Mm-hmm. I I think you're supposed to to take sheds or or like an intact rack. Yep. You can pick up sheds, but if you have an intact rack, like off of a mm-hmm. a skeleton. You're supposed to get a salvage permit, for which it. which I did that on a buck this year that I found. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize, you know, in years previous I've seen them and you know, whatever. I didn't realize that that was the way that you're supposed to do it. But, uh, yeah, that you're supposed to call, and it's kind of at the agent's discretion as to how they want to handle it. Oh, okay. uh, they can either come out and look at it, uh-huh. uh or they can just issue you a tag in the mail. Yeah. So which, is that what they did for mm-hmm. you? Yeah, just want to see a picture of it with the location and. Oh, cool. Yeah, was it but, a nice buck? No, it no, was. It was just a one. kind of a funky rack. Okay. Uh, it's at the house there in Bolivar. I'll have to show you sometime. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not not anything special. Not, not anything special. Huh? No. Yeah. But it's 
they do end up catching people sometimes that way. My brother-in-law yeah. is a conservation agent and he he told me about a particular case where a guy had done that where he called in a salvage tag okay. on like three different deer and they were like three three come on <laughs> uh yeah and i guess it was you know not too far apart uh-huh. and i guess what through some uh investigative investig- work yeah that they found out that the guy had shot the deer later in the year or earlier in the year i mean excuse me and had tracked them marked their location on his phone and left them Oh. And then came back later oh, to get the rack. Okay, so he wouldn't have to punch his tag. Right. What a little stinker. Yeah. But they caught him though. They caught I him. wonder how. Th- yeah, because uh, he called in on three salvage tags yeah, on the same farm. Yeah, I mean farm, that's pretty suspicious. And they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna look into this." Yeah. And I mean, they have to- whole social media teams. Yeah. That People are part of wildlife all the time. Yeah. Yeah, by posting stuff on mm-hmm. social media. Which I mean. Well, not, I guess it's not a mistake. I mean, it's we want them honest, to make the mistakes because we want them to get caught. But right, poaching isn't hunting. You know, it's one thing to make an honest mistake; yeah. stuff happens. But from everything that I've seen, the best policy is to just own up to it uh-huh. and let the chips. It'll fall. go a lot better for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember um, one year I shot two turkeys with one shot on accident. Mm-hmm. I had a tom come around a corner. And uh, I was reaping, so I was doing the deal with the fan in front of my face and right. crawling along. Mm-hmm. And uh, this Tom came around the corner, and by the time he came around the corner, he was like well within shooting range, and um, he was at full strut facing me. And so I shot, and then when he went down, I saw what was right behind him, and it was another Tom, mm. and they both went down. What, when did this happen? Uh five years ago maybe gotcha it was it wasn't too long before i moved uh out of missouri okay to washington it might have been the last turkey that i killed before moving gotcha and in some states that would be fu- totally fine if right. you had you the tags two in one day yeah but in missouri, but missouri you can't you're not allowed to right yeah. so um yeah so i called the agent and he was really nice about it he just came out and uh took the one and gave it to a family that was in need and then he he gave me a I think he did give me a written warning but it was more of a formality he was just like just because this happened this is mostly just to document that this happened gotcha um and and he even told me that he himself had had the same thing uh happen to him in the fall and and uh but yeah he was really nice about it I think if I'd have been sneaky about it and been caught it probably wouldn't have gone so well for me right well and you know hunting's a blood sport there's no way around it Mm -hmm. stuff happens in the woods yeah and you know you only have so much control over it you just do your best to follow the code and when things go awry you own up to it and the vast majority of the time agents are pretty pretty responsive to that so yeah i have uh i have yet to have an interaction with an agent that uh like that was negative honestly i mean they've all been very respectful and everything to me yeah i've had uh, the vast majority of the ones i've had have, have been that way yeah but. um so let's let's keep talking about selena yeah so uh we're in her that was the first season 
in Spokane, Washington. Her second season, the it, it was it was a lot of fun because you know with new birds, there's always e- even when you're into the game and everything and everything's going smoothly, there's still that anxiety because they're they haven't uh they haven't been consistent enough times to where you're actually just like relaxed and you're mm. like even if like Selena liked to go way downwind and then she'd mount up and come back. A lot of times that would freak people out. You know, if your bird mm-hmm. goes out of sight away from you, not just out of sight up, but out of sight away from you, um, that's that's reason to panic, you know, or sure. at least reason to, you know, start walking back towards the car to start heading that way. But it got to where it was just like, nah, she'll be back. And if it felt like she was taking too long, I'd just pull my telemetry off my back and point it up in the sky. And, you know, if I heard a beep above me, that that was where the loudest beep was coming from. It was like, all right, she's back somewhere up there. And uh, and then you'd go in for the flush. And so in that second season out in Washington, which would have been her third season with me, um, we were at that point. And it was just, just fun. You know, no more anxiety about her being unsteady or anything like that. It was just having fun. And um, so some of the best... Uh, or most interesting stories from that season. One of them almost turned out real bad, but had a uh, a happy ending. Um, oh, it was awful. At the time, it was awful. Um, so I had uh, gone home for Christmas, um, and my girlfriend had stayed behind and had been taking care of my falcons for me, and she, Selena didn't really like my girlfriend that much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as long as she kept her distance, it was fine. But she did not want to be handled by anybody but me. Um, Which some birds are definitely more that way. Some birds, yeah. it doesn't matter who handles them. They get used to people, they're used to people. Right. Other birds, like Selena, yeah. are not that way. Yeah, she definitely knew the difference between me and everybody else. Um, so uh, she'd been taking care of her, and she was... Um, just tossing her food on a block, you know, and uh, keeping keeping tabs on her. And so I got back after a week from Christmas, and um, prior to that break, uh, we had been out flying. We were off the kite. We were training and uh, hawking. And um, I come back from Christmas, and we just got a fresh snow, which is like my wet dream when it comes to hun hawking. Other than having crusty snow. Crusty snow is better for killing huns. But fresh snow is better for finding them and uh, getting a slip. Because you don't have a dog. And so you're relying on driving the roads and hoping to see those digs. Yep. Yep. Seeing them out in a field somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, Glassing for them. Um, Poor man's hawking. Poor man's hawking. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But eventually I'm going to have a bird dog we're gonna. Um, I I'm looking forward to the days to the days when I am just running my dog, waiting for a point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And then didn't do a setup. But hopefully this year, fingers crossed, it won't be your dog. Yeah. Fingers crossed, we can have that happen this that year. That would be awesome. Yes. Super cool. Um. So I had just gotten back and conditions were perfect. I knew that she had sat for a week, but I was like. I don't know if I should go train 
or if we should just go hawking. I opted to go hawking. So we go, and uh, we're going to fly this place on spec. There was a tree line um, that uh, I knew a lot of times had a covey of huns hiding behind it. And um, so I take her out, turn her loose, and her one vice was that she liked to go sit just for less than a minute before she would take off. Like if there was a ready perch nearby, she'd usually take off, go sit on the fence post or sit on a telephone pole, maybe rouse, and then she'd go up. So she goes and lands on this piece of farm equipment, and uh, I don't think anything of it, but then she takes off on a beeline behind the tree line. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, that was definitely, she saw something. That wasn't just taking off. She's after something. So I go running up there, and uh, I flush a couple hunts, and I'm like, shoot, you know, she must have seen them and took off after some of them, and I just flushed the rest of the cubby. So I turn around to my girlfriend, and I'm like, hey, go grab the car uh, and start driving west and be looking for her because she could be on the ground. She could be sitting on a pole. Just, you know, keep your eyes peeled. What I didn't say was drive west and then pick me up at the next intersection. So, so she drove to the coast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I uh, pull my telemetry off my back and get a signal. And it's coming from the west. And I clear that tree line, and I look over to the road, you know, like 100, 150 yards away. And there goes the girlfriend driving my car, and she just keeps going. And so I'm, like, running <laughs> through the snow, like, screaming, waving, you know, howling. And she just keeps driving. Like, she didn't see me at all. And so for, like, the next, I don't know seemed like forever uh probably 30 minutes was spent like me just tracking the signal and then seeing her <laughs> on the horizon <laughs> at different intervals like driving at different uh sections and uh-huh. uh and every time i'm like calling her you know and i'm my phone's at like five percent and uh i'm calling and screaming and waving and i can't get a hold of her and she doesn't get good reception out at that particular spot Um, and I just, I lost my cool, like, because it was getting dark and the signal was coming from the mountains. All right. Uh And the mountains weren't that far away and there were like no good roads into the mountains in that direction. And so, you know, it's no problem for her to cover, for Selena to cover that much ground and to be nestled in the mountains in a matter of minutes. There's you know what I mean? there's nothing more frustrating and apparent at how ill-equipped we are when you are trying to chase down a bird of prey on foot. Yeah. Well, you're about to get a whole new taste of that with this tundra falcon. <laughs> they yeah. But uh I lost a red tail early on in my career and there was about a foot of snow on the ground. Yeah, and just Ugh. trying to keep up with that bird. Yeah, it was like legs. I know you don't know this, but you're kind of screwing me here. Keep moving. Yeah. Oh man, it was frustrating, yeah. and I I can totally see, like, <laughs> and what makes this so funny to me is because I know Graham very well. Yeah, I've seen him under duress, <laughs> and so I can just picture how this is going. Dude, uh, <laughs> I was like, I was, oh, I was cursing 
the day I was born. I was cursing the day my girlfriend was born. And it wasn't even her fault. Like, she was doing the best that she could do. She did exactly what I told her to do. Go drive around out west looking for Selena on a telephone pole. I I really had... It was my own dang fault. Uh, But I was still just really not happy at that uh, moment in time. Well, it's it's a stressful moment. You've done some growing up since then, too. Uh, Some. I mean, some. I think if I was... Oof, I don't know. You, you don't know until you're in that situation again. Yeah. You know, I, I've heard you kind of describe, uh, it's a little bit like driving on the highway. Yes. You know, because when you're driving on the highway, you're at, like, on a, on a level of anxiety. You're or, on a seven. Yeah. Right, and this is not my original idea. Okay. This is somebody else, maybe even Joe Rogan, I don't remember who it was, but somebody else describing why road rage is so easily accessible. You know, you, you're in all kinds of situations where people, you know, where you have a perceived slight from another person. Uh-huh. But why is it that situation where you that just, you just fly off the handle? Yeah. Where, where so many people do. Yeah. You know, myself included, if I'm oh, not yeah. being careful. It's because you're already at a seven. You know, uh-huh. you're doing 75 miles an hour. Yeah. You make a small miscalculation, a small misjudgment. It could cost you your life. It could cost somebody else their life. It is a stressful situation it's one that we live in each and every day but you you know you're already at a seven so you don't have the capacity to yeah. tolerate somebody else taking risks because yeah. those risks can affect you in a major way right and that's what falconry especially long winging is when you've got so much invested in a bird up uh-huh. to this point you're at a seven yep and so it's really tough to be nice to somebody when somebody is, or when something isn't going right, uh-huh. because you you just don't have the capacity, you don't have it in you to be civil a yeah. lot of the time. Now it's not an excuse. You do, but that's yeah. you don't feel like you do because yeah. you're already at such a high level of anxiety. Yep. And so you come unglued. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, finally, I waved her down. And we get back in the car, and uh, we, let's see, oh, we found a a gravel road headed for the mountains, so we drive up that road a ways, and we're basically in the foothills, the mountains. Gotcha. And we get a signal coming back the opposite direction, so I'm like, phew, you know, we're uh, at least on the other side of her, so we know she didn't go all the way to the mountains. She's somewhere back the other direction. Uh, So... I was going to have to go on foot, and I was going to have to go fast across this section of property. And uh, so I just said, Laura, just stay in the car. (laughs) Just stay, (laughs) and I'll be back, okay? And so she stayed in the car. What? I've had that ex- like a very similar situation. I think it may have even been the first time I took my wife. It wasn't my yeah. wife at the time out hawking. So when I lost a bird, yeah, and the same the situation with the snow or different different, different situation, yeah. Okay, so same si- very similar first yeah. hunt out. Yeah, things just spiral out of control. The bird starts feeling its wings underneath it. Did and- she like go for a possum? Yeah, so this is that time. So I, okay. I can tell that story real quick. Sorry yeah. to interrupt yours. But my wife is with me, yeah. and the bird chases a rabbit and misses. Uh-huh. And that is a very pivotal moment, I've learned, uh-huh. is that miss, yeah. that first miss. Because you know, they don't catch everything that you flush every time. Yeah. And 
it doesn't exactly work this way, but it kind of seems to in their brain a little bit that they miss that. And then you're right there. You're the easiest thing to blame and they just want to leave. So she went into one tree. I'm swinging the lure. She's kind of thinking about coming down. Doesn't leaves goes and knocks one red tail out of a tree. Uh So I'm chasing after it. And at this point, that's why I turned around to Devin, who's not gonna be able to keep up with me. There was snow on the ground. Yeah. And I'm like, Sorry, I'll see you later. <laughs> and take <laughs> off running. And I lost that leash that you braided for me in the process um, of this, which yeah. still ticks me off to this day. Just came up. It fell out of my... Yeah. yeah. No, it okay. wasn't. No, 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 no. Okay. No, it was in my hawking vest. Oh, right. You know, clipped, or not clipped or something, but hanging out enough where it caught on a piece of brush uh, and ripped it out of my bag. Was it that orange and black one? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. I know right where it's at. Yeah. But, yeah guy couldn't tell you you know getting to it i'm sure this is years ago but yeah and so then she knocks the red tail out of the tree yeah i catch up to her and she leaves again so it's like they have this kind of circle that they'll allow you to be in yeah sometimes they're tolerant of you being close other times they're not yeah and so then i bump her she goes and knocks a great horned owl out of a tree oh my gosh and so i'm freaking out because horned owls kill red tails all the time Uh I chased her a little bit further. I can't remember if she knocked another red tail out of the tree. I think so. Uh-huh. And then I lose her. And I'm just looking around. Can't find her. Can't find her. What the heck? So I start doing a loop. And there she is on a possum on the ground. The possum is walking with her on its back. <laughs> and I look up in the tree and there's a bald eagle sitting right above her. Oh, my God. Which Eagles also kill red tails. Uh And so I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? I didn't think in a million years she'd let go of this possum. So I start making in to clip her up. And as soon as I, like, I literally am less than an inch away from grabbing the Jess, she lets go of the possum. And bolts. And bolts. And uh, I followed her a little bit more that night. She wouldn't come down to the lure. Next day was total whitewash of fog uh-huh. next morning uh-huh. heard her bells uh-huh. but never saw her yeah and that was the last i saw her was so that did night. your wife obviously she forgave you because she ended up marrying you after that yeah was she upset about it uh not upset uh-huh. but definitely didn't color did it a, rattle her no no, no it didn't rattle her okay. but it was like yeah okay uh i don't know how much hawking i'm gonna be doing with you oh okay She's coming around a little bit, but yeah. it's, you know. Well, that was that the first time she had gone with you? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think that was the it's very funny. first time. man. Ew. Which was my fault. I should yeah. not have taken her out on a first hunt, but, yeah. you know, you're trying to play the balancing act. You know, yeah, plus you're trying to impress her. <laughs> well, I'm sure that didn't impress her, me running around like a chicken with my head cut off, so... Anyway, yeah. sorry to interrupt your story. Continue. No, cool. You were uh, telling... Uh, so I'm hoofing it across the section. Yeah. I've got a signal. And it's dark. And um, I'm starting to starting to get a little worried. Um, Because it is dark. And with darkness brings all sorts of other variables. Like, are they going to let you approach them again? Are they roosted somewhere? Uh, now... Uh, they're at a much higher risk to be killed by an owl, yeah. you know? Um, and did she actually catch anything? If she did, is she going to be all fed up and spooky? 
uh, or, you know, not be approachable tonight or tomorrow? Don't know. Um, but I'm getting a steady beep, and so I'm just following it. And it seems like I'm getting closer, and then all of a sudden I flush a coyote. And that beep, at least to my uh, already troubled mind, sounded like the beep faded as the coyote ran away. <laughs> and so then I'm just like like in tears. I mean, like my eyes are watering and, and like a big old lump is in my throat like uh, like a coyote just ran away with my bird in its mouth, you know. And yeah, or that's... or I flushed them both, you know, and or the coyote, coyote took off, yeah. and she took off, and either way, you know, it's not good. Um, but at least I still had a signal, so I just kept following, and uh, eventually, I get almost back to where we started, and I come across this uh, wheat stubble field, and it's covered in a blanket of snow, and I see this little lump on the snow and sure enough that's where the signal's coming from and then all of a sudden the lump starts talking just kind <laughs> of uh she wasn't like a screamer but she just uh vocalized a little bit you know and so i started talking back and just to kind of you know i figured that she would recognize my voice i don't know if they're that sophisticated or not but uh at least to let her know i was there and she lets me walk right up to her, and I see then that she's got a crop about the size of a softball, <laughs> and she's standing on a hun that she has just just about picked clean, and so then it's like, okay, she's absolutely stuffed with food, so I, I should she might not have any use for me at all anymore. Like, I, I might be lucky just to have gotten close to her. She could bolt at any second. Now, you know? are you flying her with Jess's at this point, or does she just have anklets on? Uh, so at that point, I flew her with a one leather Jess with just a pinhole in it. Gotcha. And then I, I would make in and clip up to that. Gotcha. Um, and... uh. So I get the lure out of my vest, and I'm debating, okay, do I drop the lure down and try to get her to, you know, come over to me, or do I uh, pounce on her? <laughs> because I don't know, you know, it's dark, I can't read her body language, really, I don't know what's going on. Um, and I drop the lure, and she waddles over to me. <laughs> And picks up the lure in her mouth and then drops it. So she's like so stuffed that she doesn't want another bite. Mm -hmm. And next, she steps up onto my boot. And so I take my phone out and turn my flashlight on so I can see what I'm doing. And I'm at like 1% battery. So like if this goes south and she takes off, there's no calling the girlfriend to come get me. <laughs> I'm going to have to hoof it all the way back get to the car, and then relocate the bird. Yeah. And um, so I put my glove on, and I reach down there, and she steps up onto my glove. And so I raise my glove up, and then she just walks up my arm into the crook of it and, like, nuzzles up against my bicep and my chest. Hmm. <laughs> 
pulls the foot up, and then just starts ever so softly vocalizing. I mean, almost like if birds could whisper, this was a whisper. Just like a little chitter, and that was it. And I got her clipped up, and I was just like, it just relief just like washed over me. And I just, uh, well, what I did was I gave her a hug. <laughs> I wrapped my arm around her, and I gave her a hug, and I kissed her right on top of the head. For for those of you who don't have regular exposure to birds of prey, it may be hard for you to understand how out of character that behavior is and how strange and impactful I'm sure that was for you in that moment. Yeah, I mean... Birds of prey are not cuddly animals. No. They're not even friendly animals most of the time. Uh-huh. And prairies are known for being, to put it politely, jerks. Yeah. They have a bad attitude a yeah. lot of the time. And Selena was no exception. Yeah. Most of the time. She mm-hmm. was not, I mean, I've definitely been around Well, that, I would other say birds. that first season she was yeah. hard to deal with. But she turned sweet. It was, I don't know, it was kind of weird. But yeah, they're not affectionate critters mm-hmm. not even to their own kind mm-hmm. it's it's not like you know no, a just dog... sitting a few feet away is about as cuddly as they get right yeah which yeah. you know it's interesting you'll see two red tails mm-hmm. frequently in this area sitting right by each other yeah which has always struck me as interesting behavior because a lot much of the time they're facing the same direction so it's not like they're covering more ground you know sometimes right. one will catch something and they'll share it with the other but right it's and like, when you see it out of breeding season, you yeah. know, in the fall, it's like, how else do you explain that? But yeah. that they just want to be near each other. Yeah. It's I, I don't have an explanation. I don't either. But it is it is interesting. And, you know, like that video that we watched a while back uh-huh. of that peregrine. So it's uh-huh. a chick sitting in a nest box. Mm-hmm. And the chick all but falls out of the dang nest box. And the the parent comes in lands and just ever so gingerly is like biting and holding on to the chick uh-huh. by the wing and it's very evident that it's being careful uh-huh. not to damage the chick right and pulls it back up into the nest box yeah and it takes them a while to like figure it out too like they mm-hmm. come in and like scope the situation like look at it from different angles and then they do that and yeah which i've always said birds of prey don't have much for problem solving it they don't have a whole lot of cognition to me it seems like yeah falcons more that they're more seem like they have more cognition Mm -hmm. which i can explain my theory on why that is later but uh they're very instinctual creatures Uh and so to see them you know kind of very clearly looking at something and trying to determine what the best you know very mm-hmm. clearly having some level of cognition on the situation was is really interesting. Yeah. But um so I don't know if she saw me as like I mean it wasn't food, you know, cuz I offered her food and she didn't want it. So I don't know if she either saw me as like shelter or safety or she just liked me. Who you knows? Know? It's it's hard not to anthropomorphize a little bit of like her doing that as like glad you're here. Yeah. That coyote scared me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I want to put to it. Yeah. So, um, but that was a really cool experience. Um, 
Let's see. Were there any other memorable flights? Because this this is the last season that you were out in Washington, correct? Last full season, yeah. yeah. Um, let's think. Uh, um, I don't think that's a bad place to stop if there's nothing that jumps out at you. Uh, let me let me tell you about the the last Han she caught. Okay, that was a cool flight. Okay, so um, I was uh. I think it was like February. Um, yeah, it was in February, and we had some snow. Uh, a lot of it had melted, but there were still patches of it. And I spotted this covey on a hillside, and I had a friend with me. Um, and we kind of looked the situation over and and decided we would go past the hill and uh, then walk away, get ourselves in position, then turn her loose, let her go up, and then we'd pop back over the hill and flush these huns. And so that's what we did, and Selena did her typical thing, went off downwind, came back nice and high, probably, I don't know, 800 feet, and um, she's like dead overhead. I mean, just perfect position, nice and high, and I pop over the hill and go running through where I thought the covey was and nothing flushes. And I'm like, you know, making noise and like waving my arms trying to get him to bust. And, you know, nothing, nothing happened. So I'm like, shoot, did I miss Markham? Like where, you know, just you get this uh, uh, overwhelming sense of discombobulation. Like, mm-hmm. where am I? Like, th- I-, I don't know where I am. This They were here. They were right here. Like, where did they go? Yeah. And Huns don't really run. So, you know, theoretically, they should be right where you left them unless they busted while you were, you know, screwing around, getting your bird ready, which they don't typically do. Um, and so I just keep on running thinking, well, maybe I, you know, mismarked them. And uh, my buddy comes over the hill behind me and then they just can't take it anymore. And he's like right in the middle of the covey they bust like on all sides all around him just right at his feet so they were super intimidated by selena being dead overhead sure and you know. man i've as those of you who have been around bur- uh, upland birds uh-huh. and especially quail you know when they when a covey busts man it is like kind of crap your pants moment uh-huh. you know it, it scares you i've not too proud to admit I when I was younger had I busted a covey about I don't know probably 15 or 20 birds that I was not expecting at all and I like ah! <laughs> cuz it it scares you man like yeah. it is if you're not thunderous. expecting it well yeah. even if you are expecting it cuz it's it's almost like a scary movie where you're like okay they're going to Ah, the bad yeah. guy's gonna pop out any mm-hmm. second. I just can't. Which is, I think, that's why they do it. I'm guessing is you know there's something there, and then all of a sudden there's this thunderous. You know, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I, yeah. I imagine a, a covey rise for Huns is all the more loud and uh, maybe I don't know. you know whatever because they're a bigger bird yeah. than quail are. But they also uh, when you flush them, they also vocalize. They do this yeah. kind of raspy thing, and I don't I, know what that. What I remember kind of communication he, that. I remember is, hearing but, that. Um, but yeah, so they pheasants do that too. Yeah, roosters. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll uh, cluck or crow or whatever you cackle. call that. Cackle. That's what it is. So they bust, and Selena folds up, stoops, and uh, 
generally where I was hawking, you, you could find huns in great places that were clean and open and far away from any cover. Um, but a lot of the time they were within one flight of cover, usually a farmhouse, you know, some kind of tree line, uh, or, um, equipment shed or whatever. And so Selena stoops and is coming in right behind these huns. And it looks to me like they're just barely going to beat her to cover. And all of a sudden she just banks hard left, just like 90 degree turn. And at that, you know, moment I catch out of the corner of my eye, one of the huns had swung out wide and was trying to cut back in to join the rest of the covey. And she must have also caught it out of the corner of her eye. And so it started to go up and she went up and just came in and absolutely smashed it. And it just like fluttered, you know, it was probably, I don't know, 30 to 50 feet off the ground when she hit it and and she hit it from below you know so she came up into it smashed it and it just like fluttered to the ground and uh and she just you know wheeled over and came down and landed on it and then um that night when i uh cleaned that hun Mm -hmm. um there was a footprint on its breast, like a bruise <laughs> on its breast, and exactly the size and shape of a prairie falcon foot. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And, uh, yeah, and that hun tasted pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah, I like huns. I actually do have one more story yeah. for you that's pretty Con- good. Continue. Um, this reminded me of it. So, <clears throat> uh, I was out hawking, and um, I had a friend with me. His name is Dylan. Um, and we were on this piece of property, uh, that I had permission on. Um, but the only time that I interacted with this guy was when I got permission. And so I'd kind of forgotten what he looked like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we spot these, this covey of huns and on his property. And so I'm like, all right, cool. So we get set up and we turn the bird loose and at the time the weather was perfect. The wind was dead, uh, but it was getting pretty close to the dark and or sunset. And um, she starts going up and she's just kind of starting to actually make me a little nervous because she just kept going up and up and up and not coming over. Um, and uh, here comes this car, truck actually. And this guy rolls up and he's like, so what are you doing? And I was like, hey, uh, I'm flying my bird, and he's like, yeah, and, you know, he's acting kind of like, you know, suspicious or something, Mm -hmm. and I didn't recognize him, (laughs) so I start acting suspicious, I'm like, I I have permission, like, to hunt here, and he was like, you do, and I was like, yeah, and he's like, yeah, it's my property, and I was like, oh, Mr. Such-and-such, I won't say his name, Um, but... And uh, I was, you know, like, I'm sorry, I just, I didn't recognize you, blah, blah, blah. And so he starts, you know, shooting the breeze, making small talk. And meanwhile, so I'm like trying to be polite to the landowner, you Mm -hmm. know. Meanwhile, like looking over his head over the top of the truck, trying to keep my eye on my bird and be polite to this landowner at the same time and not tell him to just 
please get lost while I do this. <laughs> and uh, so he's talking, and he's like, I've got these, what was it? It was like he'd been butchering some cows, mm-hmm. I guess. And so he had like some cow skulls, uh, you know, with the meat still attached in the back of his truck. And he's like, do you care if I dump these cow skulls right here? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I mean, because, you know, if you throw something out while your bird is up, uh-huh. like she's going to come over and come down to it because she thinks you're throwing out the lure or whatever, I'm, you know. But he's the landowner, so how do you tell the landowner, no, I don't want you to dump your uh, cow parts on your own property where you want to dump them. Right. You know, like how do you say that? Um, And uh, while we're sitting there, and I'm trying to navigate this situation without being offensive. Um, Selena uh, stoops, and she was way, way up, and it, she was out on the horizon. And so I pull my binoculars up, and she must have seen Hans on this hillside, because I see, you know, she's just a speck. My binoculars, but about the time she gets to the ground, I see other specks take off off the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, she apparently wasn't successful and started to go back up and finally you know like i sweet talk my way out of the landowner dumping his cow parts and ruining my flight and uh so he leaves and the bird goes back up and uh at this point like a huge storm front had like just kind of rolled up out of nowhere and it was like awe-inspiring because there's this huge, spectacular wall of clouds that's just like, I don't know, just formed out of nowhere, a huge front. Mm-hmm. And Selena is up against this front and just climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing. And she looks like, you know, she's above the clouds. She's way, way up there. And I'm still waiting for her to come over so we can flush these dang huns. And she stoops again at that same place. And um, then it starts snowing hard. And it's getting dark. And so I'm like starting to, you know, second guess myself for, I don't know, flying too late, blah, blah, blah. And we jump in the car and I'm freaking out and we um, go head that way and we have to take this um oh they called them summer roads roads that they don't maintain in the winter time so it's you know proceed at your own risk so i go driving back there and the signal's coming from out there somewhere in this field and we go walking over uh this hill and it's dark it's snowing hard um i'm thinking like uh, I'm going to lose my bird. I'm going to have to leave her out overnight. And But I'm swinging the lure, and we pop over the hill, and I look on the opposite hillside, you know, across this valley, and I see Selena come flying to me, all right, <laughs> packing a hun. So she's carrying the hun flying across the valley to me. Wow. And just comes right in to the lure, brings the hun with her, <laughs> and and I just trade her the lure for the hun. And, um, so I didn't really participate in that hunt much, but just, 
the fact that I was able to just get within sight of her with the lure and to have her retrieve her quarry and bring it back to me. And she did that multiple times. She would bring stuff to me. She uh, brought a hun to me to get away from a red tail one time hmm. uh, that was coming in trying to rob her. <clears throat> and she just carried the hun right to me, and that spooked the red tail off. So, and she would, uh, she caught it like a vole one time and carried that to me, like across kind of a swamp. And hmm. cause I would have had to get like, you know, thigh deep in the mud to get her back. But I just swung the lure and she flew across the swamp with the vole and, uh, and brought it to me. Good, so, good bird. Yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, that pretty much sums up that third season. And, uh, I figure with the, Last podcast on this topic, we'll uh, we'll talk about that last season. Yeah, we'll finish up the Selena saga next time. Check us out at our website, tail-chase.com. Do us a favor, leave us a review, share with a friend. Thanks for listening, and happy hawking. Mm-hmm.